and welcome back to the Peach and Black podcast. It has been a while, uh, but coming to you direct from down under again, our Toe Jam player and captain. How are you guys all going? Good. All right, everyone's everyone's in the in the virtual room, uh, ready to get it into another episode. Um, like I said, it's been a while. Um, and not much has changed. Um, a couple of us actually came back from overseas uh, in the last couple of weeks, and while we were over there in the U.S. specifically, we were kind of hoping for some gigs, for some news, hopefully, um, you know, something to talk about, and absolutely zilch. <laughs> Nothing's happened. Um, online? Just, just like on the website. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> online, no new developments. Um, has anyone got anything to say <laughs> about Lotus Flower, etc.? There is nothing to say. There's Thanks nothing either. going on. <laughs> I'll just say I'm glad I didn't pay $77 for absolutely nothing. Yeah, yeah. For a crappy T-shirt, which I just saw a picture of. <laughs> the scary thing is, though, is that, you know, the, the, the uh, website's named after the album. So, you know, you assume that Prince is going to release another album in, the, in whether it's next year or the year after, but it's obviously not going to be, you know, a forever kind of, you know, thing like MPG Music Club was supposedly meant to be. So, already three or four months have gone and nothing's happened. So, you're kind of thinking, has this just completely abandoned this altogether or does he have plans? Like, it's just scary the amount of lack or lack of information that anyone's getting at this stage. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you, and um, not only is it, is it scary, but it's, it's obviously disappointing, and what's going to happen next, because if, if this is, you know, it was supposedly in planning for a long time, they didn't want to release it until it was ready, all that kind of crap, and then all of a sudden, you know, you could download the albums, they added a couple of videos and a few pictures, and, and it's been, I mean, by my calculations exactly three months or, well, or, or so but um, you know nothing like you go in I don't even go there anymore I haven't yeah I've been you, there for ages the you last get on... update they did was The Undertaker now they already posted that up on the MPG Music Club and you know it's it's officially available to buy on VHS from you know online so mm. which most I'd say probably 80% of Prince fans out there have already seen it yeah so it's yeah, yeah it's just ridiculous yeah, I mean the shirts. Where are the shirts? Um, well, I know, think where- the shirts. The shirts is what has everyone in a spin because when you signed up the day you signed up, they said please allow four to six weeks. And what happened was maybe exactly- it was meant to say four to six months. No, 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 no. Hang on. <laughs> on the sixth week, there was an email sent saying, mm-hmm. um, "Are we going to pro- we're going to process this net- this now? Expect it." in four to six weeks so that was another four to six weeks on top of the four to six weeks from the beginning I think we're now into the 17th week and still no shirts or apparently they're arriving now but all they have to say is just keep people in the loop that's all they have to do is keep people in the loop absolutely you know when they don't do that that's when people start to get you know stroppy and now they feel they're being ripped off and all this stuff I think he will pull through and he'll put stuff on there but the fact that he isn't keeping people in the loop is the whole part of the problem look, yeah, I'm, it's I'm st- Prince Prince. when has Prince ever kept us in the loop about anything he doesn't yeah, well, he, look at look at his other spokesperson I'm not going to name names but 
his other online outlet, who's very vocal in, mm. um, you know, hyping stuff up, mm. that person is very quiet now as well, not keeping people in the loop. Yeah. So, same same game. Yeah, I I, I agree with all that, and I, but I also think it would be great to have some content. And you know, for, just to keep the fans interested, even if there's nothing new on the horizon, even if he's not doing any gigs, etc., just to just to keep people, you know, give people what they paid for, really, update the content regularly. Um, if it was as much as as putting on a few new videos or a few new clips or a few, every month or every few weeks, but you're not even getting that. So, well, do you remember the old MPG Online and MPG Music Club? They used to have the Paisley News, which would be like just some silly little comment from Prince supposedly about you know what he was doing last night at the club kind of thing and mm. you know it was so redundant that people used to complain about that but at least you knew that well someone's putting st- you know some people are still interested in the website like whoever's running it are still doing things to it at least we haven't even got that like we haven't even got a silly comment about you know what Prince was doing last night at the club kind of thing yeah and I think an, an intrinsic key to understanding the, the, the ultimate failure, I think, of the Lotus Flower website is the fact that it is designed for the project itself, for the CD release. I mean, when you think about it, you log in, there is no news reel, there is no area for updates, there is no, you know, really, that they, they, they have the... At the beginning, you used to kind of click on on, on little icons and, and a, a, little, a little newspaper article would pop up or whatever, but um, I mean, that's... I don't think that's a particularly intelligent or clever way of designing a website um, and you're right you know um, he, he's, used, he's obviously using a, a, another outlet a social um, kind of Twitter based almost um, update site that isn't print specific to, to release information it's just yeah it's very odd I think now would be a really good time for him to put something you know something big that's coming on, on the website now I mean, well, the, the expectation was... Given, given the you, last few days of what's been happening, now would be a good time to bring people back to the Lotus Flower website since they might have been elsewhere for the last week. Is, is anyone surprised by the fact that... Um, uh, I mean, a, a while back, when, if you remember, when um, James Brown passed away, um, his website page went black. Yep. Um, and it, it was black for a certain amount of time, and then obviously they refreshed it. And you know that the the common understanding is that that was done as a mark of respect, etc. Um, and obviously, with with um, the the recent uh, events and unfortunate um, news of um, Michael Jackson's passing, uh, I was I was half expecting that as well. I mean, not that that it's a you know uh, there's any obligation on anyone to do that, but you know, so far no no reference made to that. From the from the Prince camp. Well, I don't, I don't know. I, I think that's that's really up to Prince if he wants to or not. I don't I don't like um, people saying he should or he shouldn't. It's it's up to him. If he wants to, then fine. If he doesn't want to, then that's fine as well. But really, we're we're the two of them that close. I mean, everyone put, pairs them together because they sort of blew up at the same time, and they're both you know, cultural icons and very good at what they do. And they always compared, or the media compared them to each other. But, you know, like I like I was saying before, people expect Prince to say something. And I think that's the exact reason why he doesn't say anything, because they expect that of him. 
Yeah, possibly. Yeah. I, I mean, don't get me wrong either. I, I, I wasn't um, insinuating that, that he should or shouldn't do anything, but I was I was half expecting something to come. But then I thought to myself, well, lotusflower.com is such a crappy website that even if you wanted to post anything, it probably <laughs> wouldn't happen. So. It'd probably crash if you tried to change anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Seeing that it's pushing the upper limits of what the internet can handle, remember oh, those yeah. days? Oh, God. Great days. Um yeah, so I'm kind of interweaving a little bit of, um, you know, my, the, what's happening um, or what has happened to Michael Jackson there. But um, a bit before we go into a discussion about uh, about Michael Jackson and, and Prince and, and comparisons and and um, uh, you know uh, a lot of other things, anything else that anyone has to say about um, you know the next six months? What, what, what's left for, for Prince to do in 2009? I, for one, still can't believe that. The Montreux Festival hasn't been announced because I was looking forward to hearing about that. Um, well, supposedly... It's going ahead. It's going ahead, but it's not three shows. This is rumours still. Yeah, yeah. An interview with um, Claude... Is it Claude Nobbs? Yep, yep. Yeah, the, the guy who runs the show. Mm. And in the interview, he basically said that they've cancelled the three shows. It's now down to one or two intimate shows. Mm. And that he'd sent the contract off to be signed. So that's this week. They're awaiting this weekend, I think. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is pretty scary when it's only a couple of weeks away to not have a final finalised contract. So I'm kind of sceptical about whether or not it'll actually happen. Yeah. And, and if it does, you know, what will it be? And how much effort can they can they really put into staging his kind of show, you know, with the layout and everything? Um, I think the, the interesting thing is I, I read uh, that, that same... We must be reading the same sources. And... Claude actually made reference to the contract that was set, or, or the, I guess the, what Prince wanted, and, and then they based the contract on that. And um, initially, he said that he didn't want any filming of the gig. Yeah, yeah. Um, I saw that. They, is, because of his religion, we can't. Yeah, that was rubbish. That it says, but we can record the audio. What? Yeah, so that that, that was actually r- related to that that article or, or that interview from a. Um, one of the um, Montreux Jazz Festival's uh, key, uh, I guess you'd call him an archivist or, or producer of the Live in Montreux series, that was based on the 2007 appearance. When he first appeared there, he said that basically the, the, the people from the Montreux Jazz Festival ha- had soundboard copies and had taped the, the entire 2007 performance audio-wise, but no video was taken. That that wasn't allowed and no pictures. Well, pictures have emerged, so I don't know how that works. But um, I just find it very very interesting that um, anyone would would say that that you know no no video is to be shot because of, of Prince's religious convictions. When I mean th- there are other artists who are also part of the same faith that do. I think that's a bit of tabloid journalism myself. When I read yeah. that, I'm like, that's that's rubbish. Like, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. Prince has filmed himself uh, since he's been a Jehovah's Witness, so that, that's just rubbish as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, you look at Live, live Aladdin, etc. But I just yeah. think it's it's so transparent that it's a kind of foolish thing to say. I mean, you know, maybe well, his maybe- religion just doesn't allow decent recordings. <laughs> That's why Live at the Aladdin got through. Maybe, maybe the grainy, yeah. the grainy picture handheld in the audience. Yeah. Well, maybe mm. it's because he films all his shows, and but to have the footage in someone else's hands is what he doesn't want. 
Yeah, the thing is, it, it, they might have the footage in, 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 you know, in their hands, but they can't release it without him clearing yeah. and giving them approval. So they I mean, what's the big deal? Thing with it. That's right. It's a shame though because the um the live in Montreux series is an awesome DVD series. Like yeah, yeah. there's some great artists on them. You know, amazing shows. Yeah, I mean, I own, I own a handful of them. Yeah, it's a shame he doesn't want to contribute to that. I mean, it, that would be that really in my mind and and knowing the Montreux series quite well and and you know the the stages and and I mean the sound quality of those gigs is amazing I actually did a fair bit of research about the the festival at one point and about the um their auditoriums I mean supposedly that it's it's the the actual main auditorium Stravinsky or whatever it's called is is one of the great auditoriums in the world as far as sound quality goes and you know they'd be able to film it in H- in high def and and it would be amazing um that's the series that i really want prince live in montreux on dvd that'd be just a blast mm. that would be really really amazing but yeah i don't know but th- th- then there was another rumor that uh, i think it was in that same interview where claude said that after initially hesitating and not wanting anything filmed prince came back to him and said yes i'll, I'll have it filmed as long as it's in 35 mil cameras <laughs> And then Claude supposedly went back and said, "Well, hold on, that's going to cost you, a, you know, a huge amount of dough. We can't afford that." You two most recently did that on their documentary, the, the one that Scorsese did. Um, you know, we can't afford 35 mil cameras, but we'll do it in HD. And then Prince supposedly agreed to that. And but that was a while ago, so everything changes with this guy on a 24-hour basis. Who knows what's going to happen? No idea. Yeah. Well, he's hoping for something. Yeah. W- would be good. Will but, you get um, priority seating on Lotus, lotusflower.com? <laughs> no. I don't think you'll have time to. That's the, that's the issue. <laughs> yeah, so um, other than that, um, it doesn't look like there's... Well, there's definitely no... No gigs have been announced. No plans have been made or announced for the rest of the year. Um, There's a bit, been a few health speculations about. Yeah, that. it kind of makes us wonder that the, the whole hip surgery or hip replacement um, rumors haven't been put to rest. In fact, um, after watching an, an uh, online interview with Wendy and Lisa, um, Wendy actually yeah explicitly stated that she knew that he was in some pain um, and just wanted him to get better. better so. Yeah. That kind of puts, um, you know, a lot of weight, for, at least from my point of view, on, onto that rumor. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, I've I've read some things about um, him doing some painkillers just to keep it at bay to avoid surgery. And I mean, like all this um, talk, I, I don't really like talking about his personal life because really it's about the music. Like I don't really care yeah. about it. But you know, if if this is what's keeping him away from touring or promoting or or giving updates or whatever, they should just basically say something. Just so that, because I think a lot of people would be understanding and say, okay, you know, he's not feeling well at the moment, let, let's let him rest and get get back to it. He should, announce, he should announce he's going to do some shows, but it will be the last time he's going to play the hit. <laughs> <laughs> Jeez, we haven't heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 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 with you on that player. I do think that, and and what we tr- try to do, I guess, is not um, uh, hark on too much about the the personal stuff. But I, the 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 only thing in my mind is more of concern than than you know trying to to put to, you know to make things up and then um, start a, a fire of rumors or anything like that. More more concern about you know hoping that the the guy's all right and that he's yeah taking care of himself. Exactly. Oh, so it's just, just us being them. selfish, though, because if he if he dies or he's not around, then we haven't got any more music. 
<laughs> that's what it is. It's just, you know, that's, that's, I want him to be good so he can make some decent albums. That's one way to put it. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's ma- I think he's made enough material to last, you know, a hundred artists over. Mm. Um, but yeah, uh, okay. Seeing that there's nothing new, or no, no line on the horizon, so to speak, um, let, let's go into... I guess a, a discussion about Michael Jackson um, and uh, and Prince and and you know all the um, everything that comes along with that. Uh, we can start it pretty much anywhere. I guess I guess the logical um, way to explain why we're doing this is is, is just because of the similarities between the two of them. Um, from the the explosion of Thriller back in I think it was eighty two. Um, 82, 83, and, and at that time Prince came out with, you know, his seminal 1999 album, etc., and then um, pretty much from, from then onwards, the, there's always been this, at least in my mind, um, uh, kind of duality and or media-infused rivalry, yeah. uh, especially in the 80s, between the two of those artists, so um, it definitely makes for an interesting comparison and, and discussion. What, what are your thoughts on, um, on all that? Well, before we go on, I think we should just say, um, regardless of the uh, some of the weirdness that happened with Michael Jackson, like he was an amazing performer, and like just this week, just you know, going on YouTube, looking at some of those old performances, he was an amazing dancer and an amazing vocalist, and it, you know, in that, regardless of whether or not he's better than Prince, it's a shame to lose someone like that. Definitely, yeah. It took the words right out of our, our mouths there. Um, yeah, even the hardest Prince fan has to admit that. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think it'd be difficult for for any music fan to deny the stature within you know twentieth century music and musical history, etc. Of, of of Michael Jackson. I mean, it's 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 impossible to to do that. Um, it, it would be you know we we do a show dedicated to Prince, and obviously we do that for a reason. We're we're fairly uh, big fans of the guy. Um, I mean, I remember when I was younger, I was I was very into Michael Jackson during a short period of time. Um, you know, had all his albums, still do have uh, the vast majority of his work, etc. Um, and I, you know, I think many people went through that phase, and, and a lot of people uh, kept with it. I mean, I, I for one kind of, um, you know, didn't didn't really follow him all the way through, especially with a lot of his new work. But you know, any any time. A, a Michael Jackson concert was announced, or even rumours of a gig. I mean, who who wouldn't go and see the guy? Um, the vast, you know, vast majority of people, Michael Jackson fans or not, have to admit that on stage he was a remarkable entertainer. So, um, actually, I was one of those people that didn't want to go to the concert only for the fact that it looked so nuts. There was so many people <laughs> being carried over and being squashed and stuff. I didn't want to be a part of that. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah, if, if if it was a decent venue with seats and stuff that you could have a bit of room maybe, but it just looked like it was like that mosh pit area where the girls crying and being lifted over and just, just, just mayhem. Yeah, mayhem, yes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'd, the, the way he inco- incorporates uh, magic into the show and um, the dancing and it's just like a big spectacular. Yeah. Great to witness. Yeah, I, I actually saw him in, in Sydney in 97? 96, yeah. I think it was in 96, yeah, during that history tour. Um, and I, I have 
fairly bad memories of that gig, unfortunately, because I was in the nosebleed section way, way, way back. It was at the SCG from memory. Um, but even then, I remember the place just erupted. Um, uh, pretty much the whole gig, people were just going out of their minds. Um, and I think there's a lot. To, there's a lot to it. It's not just Michael Jackson, the the performer and the entertainer, but it's it's the you know the man, the myth, the magic, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. The, I think um, both Prince and Michael Jackson capitalised on that really well. The whole um, you know we larger than life kind of thing, uh, and you know without going into disrespecting Michael Jackson too much, but I think he started to believe some of his own hype. Whereas I think Prince, on the other hand. Yeah, he did. He did for a while. He started to believe his hype, but something grounded Prince later on, which I don't think Michael Jackson ever got the chance to to ground himself again, which is a shame. Yeah, I mean, by the same token, I, I think I think Michael Jackson's rise into into stardom was very. I mean, it was obviously very different, but then he sort of went straight through the through the roof. I mean, I mean. To lay claim to the, the highest selling album of all time, it it would be hard to to. I mean, there, there's only ever been one person that's had to deal with that claim, and that's him. Because <laughs> no one's ever, you know, highest selling album of all time in the music business. That it doesn't matter who or what you are. Um, that's insane. That's a that's that's a massive. That's a massive. Um, and then the know. thing is having to deal with it with the next album. And everyone's yeah. saying, "Oh, is it going to be as good as Thriller?" That's oh, here we go. Yeah, but and, and nothing, nothing could be. Nothing but ever I, could. I, I mean, it was still. Um, if we're talking about Bad, that was still supposedly a huge, huge album. Um, you know, all, all of his fans bought it, and you know that that's enough to beat to beat pretty much everyone else out there at that time. I think late eighties. So yeah, it's. Um, I mean, the, it, that point that that you made, Tojim, about that they're, they're both these these um, kind of otherworldly figures, that doesn't seem to, to be so prevalent anymore. I mean, you look at a lot of new people coming up, um, and, you know, even people... It, one thing that's always been laughable to me is some of these new acts that come out, and they're compared to Michael Jackson, and, yeah. and it, it really is laughable. I mean, just don't, don't even... You, you, how can you compare these people? I mean, who was it? Usher? Usher? What a... No offence, <laughs> but that's... You know, apples and oranges. But that's the that's the thing. Like, Ash is probably the closest one, and he's like not even close at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a great way of putting it. Well, well, another think- one. Another one is Chris Brown. And the thing is, is I, I saw a, a couple of days ago when the, when the news broke Michael Jackson about um, some some of the media outlets going on Chris Brown, his reaction because he was the next Michael Jackson. I'm oh. thinking, like, what? <laughs> Give me a break. Now, like the thing, the thing with Chris Brown is, or and Michael Jackson. Okay, Chris Brown obviously idolizes him, and he can do those same moves. And I've seen on the MTV Awards, and I, I went to the Rihanna concert last year where Chris Brown was the support act. And in the middle of his show, he he does a ten minute segment just doing Michael Jackson. So he's playing the music and he's doing the moves and all that. It's now, if you look joke. at yeah, now if you look at um. If you look at Michael Jackson himself, his influence was James Brown. But he didn't totally rip off the James Brown act. He didn't do the cake yeah. thing. You know, he, he'd done his own thing. He had the glove. He had the sparkly 
socks or whatever. He had his own moves and he used James Brown as an influence, but he didn't totally rip him off. But if you look at Chris Brown, he just totally rips off Michael Jackson and there's nothing original to it. I'd have more respect for those guys if they actually used Michael as a base, as an influence and did their own thing, but they don't. Yeah, Yeah, for me, I'd have more respect to them as well, meaning I'd have some respect for them. Because I have, I mean... What kind of credentials have you got? You come out and you, you just you're just a a lazy R and B artist, quote unquote. <laughs> I mean, this is don't even don't even go there. All that Chris Brown can say is that when he was growing up, he he looked up to Michael Jackson and 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 tried to be like him. And and like Toe Jam said, he has he's not even close. He's not he's not nowhere near. And it this this brings up an interesting point. I mean. You know, again, we're not hardcore Michael Jackson fans, as, as far as I understand. But just thinking about it now, um, who can you compare to the guy on on, on the level of pop enter on pop entertain you know pop entertainment and as a probably pop's greatest entertainer? Um, who can you compare? Who do you put in with him? At least people that have come after him. Can't think of too many. No one. Well, I think this also comes back to the whole generating your own mystique. And people don't buy that these days. Like, people bought it in the 80s with Michael Jackson and Prince. And, you know, they, they thrived on this, you know, being secretive, being reclusive. People loved that back then. But, you know, these days it's all about, you know, starting from a base, getting in MySpace and your Facebooks and all this kind of thing. And, you know, making songs that, you know... Can, every, everyone can relate to and I'm not saying that they didn't do that but the way I don't know the way they did it was more about, again creating this mystique for themselves and people and you know getting their fame from that and I think we've it's that been lost a lot in today's music I think because it's just impossible to do it because there's so much music out there that people just don't care if you're trying to generate mystique you've got to be out there all the time pushing yourselves exactly yeah, and, and if, you, if you try to be mysterious you get lost in the mix yeah, absolutely. Yeah, or, or people will see through it. I think as well. I think the the internet can't be can't be understated. I mean, if you look at Thriller, biggest selling album of all time. I think one of the reasons that that won't happen now, and it, it'll never happen again. I don't think anyone will ever beat that claim because in this day and age, first of all, who downloads albums? I mean, the, the number of people downloading out of whole albums has, I think, you know, completely diminished. You, you know, you're going online, you're going on iTunes, you're going on all these sites. A lot of people don't even pay for the music anymore, you know, and they're getting separate songs instead of cohesive albums. I mean, it's it's a completely different ball game. Yeah, you, you, you can't really compare it that way. So, definitely. But yeah, I mean, you, I mean, just thinking about it, I can't think of of too many. And and even if you think of a performer um, in a different genre, for example, frontmen, you know. Men who, who fronted bands, um, probably one of the big big ones that comes to mind is someone that actually sang with Michael Jackson. Or unreleased recordings would be Freddie Mercury. Um, I mean, he was a you know a larger than life character, etc. Completely different genre, style, ex, you know, background, etc. But you know that those types of guys don't come around um, often. Uh, I think it was uh, either Quincy Jones or Barry Gordy who. who um, very recently said something about Michael Jackson and you know, people say you know a guy like Michael Jackson comes around once you know in a million years once in a lifetime and I don't know if it was Barry or, or Quincy but one of them said well Michael Jackson comes around once 
not once in a lifetime, just once, <laughs> you know, and that's it. It'll it will never happen again. Um, yeah, when you think about it, uh, just thinking about it now, it kind of sends a few chills up, up my spine. <laughs> thinking about that kind of thing, it's yeah, yeah. It's pretty well, crazy. let's let's hope not that the uh, that Chris Brown carries the torch. <laughs> if he does, we're all we're in a whole lot of trouble. Player, I just um, have to ask you, you. You you said you went and saw the Rihanna and Chris Brown concert. What, mm. what was the nickname given to that tour? I don't. I don't know. Tell me. I think it was you that mentioned. It. <laughs> did I? Did I call it the Beatdown Tour or something? I think that was. <laughs> Great. Let's name. not go in there. Let's not go there. Let's not go that direction. Yeah. Okay, um, moving along. Um, where, where do you start? Uh, I know a good place to start. The I know bong? a good place to start. <laughs> no, 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 the other one, and that is Bad. Originally okay. written as a duet for Prince and Michael Jackson. Wow. <laughs> and the famous, you know, the line that Prince said in one of the interviews is that uh, the first line of the song is, your butt is mine. And Prince famously <laughs> said, I'm not singing that to you, and you're not singing that to me. So, <laughs> What's everyone's thoughts on that one? I'd like to... <laughs> That's just hilarious to me. It's comical. Classic. <laughs> I was just listening to um uh, to the Bad Album and on the special edition one it's got interviews with Quincy Jones and a bunch of stuff and he talks about that very briefly, that meeting. Because I always yeah. thought it was a phone call where that happened. But... Um, <laughs> on the bad special edition Quincy says there was a meeting in a room with those three and that was that just changed my whole thinking about it then you know it was just a phone call it's different to think he actually went down there and was in the same room and had yeah a- I can't Im- I can't Im- I can't imagine the two of them face to face that would be it's, it's just strange to me but yeah I- what 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 Quincy said because we've heard what Prince said, but what Quincy says happened is what you've said. Plus, um, you know, they asked him, "Or oh, do, do you want to sing on this track?" And and he listened to it. And this is what Quincy said. Prince said, "Is you don't need me to be on that. It'll be a huge hit anyway." That's what hmm. Quincy says. Prince said. <laughs> Interesting. Mm. It would have been. Like, it would have been massive. Like, it, it already was massive, I guess, but it would have been huge if that was the case. If it was, And I reckon it would have been pretty interesting, actually, having, you know, Prince's camp and Michael Jackson's camp doing this song. <laughs> having a battle. Yeah. I don't it's know, like I Chappelle think it show. Been, I kind of think it would have been really cool. Especially that- if it was more of a collaborative effort where they both did certain musical parts to it. That would have been really interesting, I think. Would have been a good video. Yeah. I can't imagine that song with the two of them, though. No, I can't either. I can't imagine it, but that song. But I can imagine them doing something like that. Do you think they've recorded? Not necessarily during those sessions, but at all? I don't think so. No, no I don't I th- think so. I think they've you know, probably never even talked more than two words to each other. That's just well, my guess. I read something online from Lenny Kravitz when he was um, paying tribute to Michael Jackson. They said that he's recorded this song with him that's unreleased. Which I, I've never heard of that. So Lenny and Michael. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I'd like to hear that. Yeah, I, I think I wouldn't totally discount it. 
I think that going back to the to the bad reference that I can understand I guess knowing what we know about about Prince and his career I can very easily understand why he wouldn't have wanted to to collaborate yeah. not with Michael Jackson but with anyone <laughs> so that you know knowing that he's so against that kind of stuff and doing everything on his own terms I think that probably played a part and the other thing is if you if you go to the ping pong match <laughs> we we've got to bring up the ping pong match because this is I don't know if this is a rumor or it's true but I'd like to believe it's true because it's absolutely you guys hilarious seen the um there's an interview with David Z yeah and he talks about it so it did happen it, it did, did happen. happen yeah okay so it's definitely definitely a fact we're not making anything well, up on them according no. to David Z according to David Z <laughs> there was a ping pong match between Michael Jackson and Prince at Michael Jackson's what? house or I, mansion I haven't heard this where okay yeah 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 uh, in, During, the, in the while they were mixing um, Under the Cherry Moon apparently mm. it's on the um, the Glory Years DVD which is a fan, like a unofficial oh yeah um, fan you know, made DVD kind of thing. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, it's on like right. the extra features of that. Yeah. Right well, at the end. What, what I've heard is that they basically, um, for one reason or another, I don't know who challenged who. I'm not sure if Toe Jam's got the inside scoop on that. But I think, they, Prince. I think he... The Prince table probably tennis. would have instigated it. Yeah, the table tennis um, um, was set up there in the studio. So he said, mm. come on, Michael, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's hit it. Yeah. And then that... I mean, can you imagine the video footage of that? I would... I, well, I'd sell days, everything I own. These days, someone would be filming it and it'd be on the internet within a couple of minutes. So. YouTube, ping pong, Prince vs. Michael Jackson, computer blue. <laughs> <laughs> He's calling out... But that'd be... And supposedly, what, what Prince would do is... Um, let's say someone would serve whoever would serve and they'd start it up and then Prince would just from time to time smash the ball at Michael Jackson like on purpose yeah <laughs> directly just to put him off his game <laughs> That's I heard he was aiming me. for Michael Jackson's balls himself. he was aiming for yeah. his balls alright <laughs> Oh, that's just hilarious I've never Absolutely. heard this story and I could, I could you could imagine Michael like reacting to that you know saying oh yeah Prince, don't do that. Let's just play. <laughs> Let's play nice. <laughs> Prince just cracking up or something. There's yeah. a good punchline. Um, I don't know whether I should ruin it because you should probably go check out the DVD yourself. But um, the punchline goes basically that you know Prince basically won. Michael Jackson storms out, pretty pissed off, and Prince is walking around saying, "You see that? He played like Helen Keller." <laughs> <laughs> And that's, again, quote straight from David Z. That's insane. That is so funny. That is so funny. If you beat me, I'll sing bad with you. <laughs> oh, that's, that's funny. Um, Wasn't there also a story? I never... I remember reading this somewhere that... I can't remember if it was Prince invited Michael Jackson over for dinner or vice versa. And Prince was pretending to be like some witch doctor or something I can't remember <laughs> I heard that one no, no this is definitely out of left field I don't know I can't remember where I read it but the story goes that basically Prince was just you know messing around with Michael Jackson and Michael Jackson got all scared and pissed off so but again probably complete fabrication uh, you never know you never know do you know what era that was uh, like 86, 87 around then <laughs> probably the same same era oh that's funny that's good <laughs> I have to find That's it somewhere because I've got it somewhere. Yeah. 
Yeah, I... I uh, but I again going back to it, I can perfectly understand why why Princeton didn't go back and do it. Um, there, there is also the comment. I think it was around the the um, when he when, when Prince or the symbol went back to using his his birth name as as a stage name. Mm. He became Prince again, and there's that conference. I remember seeing footage of it at conference um, around the. Uh, well, it must have been after the it's release it's of Rave. Yeah, two thousand, where he, where someone asks him a question. Um, I think the question is, uh, Prince, uh, who would win if there was a fist fight between fight, you and yeah. Michael Jackson? And I can't remember Prince's response, but I remember it was quite quite funny. I think um, he says he would plant him. Is he, <laughs> does he say he would plant him? Is that what it is? Sure, pretty sure. <laughs> Doesn't he, he, say, say, he, does he says he, he would say take he, him. He's a, he's a lover, not a fighter? He's a lover, yeah, not a fighter, that's yeah, right. That's he said, Michael Jack- no, 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 you, Michael Jackson's a lover, not a fighter. Which is just a quote straight from, from Michael's own words anyway. Exactly. That's a, it's yeah. such a clever answer, though. It is clever. Yeah. <laughs> it's really cool. And then, uh, and then he says something to the, um, to the press about, listen, like, let's, let's give Michael Jackson a break. You know, there might be something that he knows that none of us know. Mm. Um, mm. You know, let, let's, let's, that, yeah. let, let's cut him some slack. So that, that's kind of interesting. Then there's the um, a life of the party reference in musicology, which may or may not be a direct. Oh my voice! Inference. My voice ain't getting higher. Yeah, I never had, had my nose. Had there's there's been a few of those references, though. Mm. Um, you, you must, must become, become a prince, prince before you yeah. kick anyway. Yeah. Very, very interesting. And, and then there's the, also the Indigo Knights. CD, which I was listening to uh, a few days ago on the way to work, where he says he's talking about paparazzi following following him around, and he makes a direct reference saying, um, uh, oh, "Prince, won't, just give me a picture of you and Michael Jackson, and I can retire or something like that." You guys remember that? <laughs> That's quite recent. So, yeah. Didn't he also um, Michael Jackson turned up to one of his concerts in Vegas? That's right, thirty-one twenty-one. Yeah. Uh, I remember reading that. I don't think there's anything amazing that happened, but apparently he went to one of them. Yeah, but I was going to mention this tonight. There's a lot of things that Prince did that Michael Jackson copied. For example, the 3121 residency. After that, he wanted to do a residency. He wanted to put a big statue of himself in Vegas and hit Mm. up one of the uh, clubs there, and he was going to do something similar, and that fell Mm. through. And then Prince done the 21 nights in the O2 Prince. Arena. And then the next thing you know, he's, he wants to do 50 nights at the O2 Arena. Yeah. Um, also, too, like, way back, even when the appearance of M- Michael Jackson, James Brown, and Prince on the stage in L.A., mm. like, James Brown calls Michael up, and then Michael whispers in James' ear, and what does he say to James? Can, can you get Prince up? <laughs> Let's know. not forget he named his kid Prince as well. I don't think that's got to do with Prince himself, though. I think that's got to do with, you know, he is the son of the king of pop. pop, Which he named himself as well. That's right. So (laughs) I think it's more to do with that. I mean, his whole family have got this um, sort of like royalty or regal thing going with it. I mean, if you look at Jermaine Jackson, he named his son Jermajesty. Yeah. It's just like, you know, king of pop, there's... And your Majesty, and it's just it just runs with that. I think that's more to do with that than actual Prince itself. I mean, go, going to back to the uh, uh, O2 just call, reference. Just call him blanket. Going back to the uh, O2 reference, 
you know, Prince did 21 nights in, in London. Now, they weren't consecutive nights, but it was over, what, two months or so. Um, the 50 nights were like that as well. It was only like two or three shows a week. It wasn't yeah. 50 nights in a row. Because it, it, it's supposed to start in July, and it ran through to like February, I think. In any case, 50 nights is in, like, it just sounds insane. It just sounds insane. And I remember thinking to myself, um, back when it was announced, when he had that This Is It announcement, um, we were watching the, the video online, he just didn't look... Convinced. Physically convincing. Yeah, he looks. he looked very frail. Yeah, it just didn't... I'm thinking, this guy's going to do 50 nights? It was kind of worrying to me to think, well... I mean, you know, he hasn't performed... He hasn't done a tour in 13 years or so. Yeah. Um, history would have been the last one. Yeah, history would have been... So 13 years, the difference between being 37 and 50 years old for, for a dancer. Um, I mean, much more than that. But for someone who, who's, you know, obviously a huge part of his show is the dancing. You know, basically would not stop moving and this is another thing to bring up you know a lot of these guys coming up now a lot of the young pop, pop artists and, and acts who reckon they can move around on stage they haven't got anything on what Jackson used to do um, you, you know when he was on stage and specifically in his prime I mean you, you think about a Michael Jackson show and the amount of you know blood sweat and tears that that guy would put into a performance it's just ridiculous yeah. and, and not only the fact that he's running around and just throwing himself from one side to, to another but what he's doing as well you know he's doing signature moves he's doing the moonwalk he's doing um, you know breakthrough choreography all that kind of stuff who's doing that these days NSYNC no I mean I don't think so Backstreet Boys give me a break in one of the Michael Jackson specials one of the millions of them Michael Jackson specials that have been on in the last week there was one, I don't know where the interview was from, and someone was talking to him about, uh, was it the, you know, the, the performance where he first did the moonwalk? Mm. Well, I think it was the anniversary of it was something. Motown, yeah, yeah. Motown. And, um, and he said, Michael said, he's never happy with his performances, which I think is something Prince would have in common as well. I mean, That's because they're both perfectionists. Yeah, mm. which is, yeah, something they've got in which common. Which is probably why they haven't done a duet, because there's just too much ego in one room. Mm. They wouldn't be able to decide on, a, like, a final decision. But it was just an interesting thing for him to say, because he said after he did the moonwalk, you know, where he jumps up and he's on his toes? Mm. He said he wanted to stay up there and freeze, but he fell <laughs> back down. But no one else noticed, because they didn't know what, he, what I was going to do. But he just, and that was one of his most famous performances, and he, he seemed so disappointed in it. Which is just an interesting thing. And that's yeah. why Prince is never going to release, you know, live concerts, because he's never going to be completely happy. He's going to overdub the hell out of them, and we'll all whinge about it. So <laughs> no one's going to win. It's, a, it's, it's definitely an interesting point to make. I think um, the other thing is, going back to the album releases, uh, I just had a quick look at uh, the release dates for... For, you know what? Which album came out first with regards to Thriller and 1999? 1999 was actually released a month before Thriller hit the shops. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the back of that, um, you know, not attempting to start a war or anything, but I, I, I do recall hearing in the last few days, and also in, in weeks and months previous, 
uh, even years previous um, comparisons between you know Michael Jackson and Prince and the whole MTV era and and Madonna and you know all, all the artists that kind of broke through in in that video era. Um, a few people have mentioned that, that you know Michael Jackson kind of broke down the racial barriers for African Americans and all, all that kind of stuff. You know, through through his use of videos, and that he was really the first guy to do that. I heard a lot of people saying that, and it really annoyed me. Because yeah. if you recall, what was the first video played on MTV? Video killed the radio star. Okay, second. <laughs> <laughs> what was it, Little Red Corvette? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was as well. I don't um, know, actually. I have a feeling that, because I remember reading somewhere that 1999 didn't start off, it, you know, it was a slow grower. It wasn't until the tour started, like, the following year, or late, you know, very late in 82. That yeah, the, it, it gained momentum, and then then they started putting the videos out after that. So, I don't yeah, know. Maybe that's I'm, how that's how I recall it. That's how I recall it because when I was younger, the 1999 sort of was big, like bigger towards the end of like 83. It was more mid to late '83, and then the next thing like came out was the next year was like um, Purple Rain. Actually, the second video was Pat Benatar's You Better Run. So, <laughs> <laughs> but Prince was in there somewhere. Yeah, I do, I do think Little Red Corvette was the first video to, um, to come out, though. Um, I also know that the, the video for Automatic, which came out in 19, 1983, was supposedly censored or, or was taken off, off MTV, was considered too... Too um too juicy and all that kind of stuff. So it it would just be interesting. We don't have the facts in front of us to to see you know what was first. Was it was it Billie Jean? Was it 1999? Was it um you know was it uh, Thriller or um, a Little Red Corvette? I, I guess you know what difference does it make in the grand scheme of things? They both um, catapulted, I guess, to stardom to to you know huge huge stardom as solo artists, especially for Michael. Um, coming off the back of, of Off the Wall, which which I don't think, uh, uh, as far as I know, Off the Wall wasn't wasn't you know the the album that, that made him um, world you know famous worldwide. I don't think, at least not to the level of what came after. Obviously, it I think was... Off the Wall is like Prince's 1999. It was the one before the massive one kind of thing. Yeah, so it's the one that built up to the big big one. It, but it was it was his coming of age album from all the Motown and like everyone saw him grow up and he was the little boy and and with the Jacksons and that but that was the first one that you know he was out on his own and putting it out there. But that's a that's a great album too. Oh yeah, but it was it was sort of more R and B based, whereas Thriller you know it, it had all the rock elements in there and as well as the R and B and it sort of. You know, more people got into it from there. There's a there's a whole lot of funk on on off the wall. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of kind of disco and funk. But there's one. I think my my favorite track off that album has to be um, working day and night. I don't know if anyone. Yeah, that's a good song. It's just so percussive. Very 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 kind of drummy percussive. Most of Michael's funk. stuff is. Yeah, yeah. It's a huge part of its the percussion. Mm. I, I mean, wonder how he records his or, or came up with his. Michael Jackson, that is, came up with his drum sounds. Um, he must have just thought of them and somehow either, you know, scattered beatbox, etc. Yeah, he, that's what I've seen the interviews of Michael Jackson. He, he comes up with drum parts by beatboxing. That's that's insane. Yeah. Mm. 
and sometimes they actually incorporate it into the beat itself. I know that happened in Dangerous, yeah. Dangerous album. And yeah, they used to cut some of the actual beatboxing of his voice into the into, over the top of the track of the drums. So even I, I've even seen him. I think it was that Martin Brashear interview, um, which was really controversial. I think there's a part in that where he's talking about how he came up with the baseline of um, Billy Jean, and it was all the same sort of stuff. He he, he tells the bass player what he want, what he's hearing, and he beatboxes it, and they came up with it from there. Mm. It's it's pretty intriguing. I I, I wonder the. I guess this is this is an interesting um, scenario. I, imagine the comparison, uh, the contrast as well, between Michael Jackson walking into the studio with Quincy, all his top session musicians, you know, all, all of his lyric sh- lyric sheets, ideas, etc., and and recording Thriller, and then Prince just sitting in his little whatever it was, eight or sixteen track. I've got no idea in the studio, just doing ninety nine for the most part on his own. Um, that would just be very interesting to see the different creative process processes. Not so much talking about the fact that one guy is doing it mostly on his own and the other guy is um, employing, um, you know, a, a whole a whole band of, of musicians. But to just kind of, it would be it would be great to be a fly on the wall in those two situations and yeah, and, and have a look because I think it would be equally intriguing for for various reasons. Yeah, definitely seeing how they come up with all that kind of stuff but uh, it was in that um, player <coughs> just said about that Martin Bashir interview it was in that same interview where um, it was in one of these specials that had been on and he was dancing to whatever song it was and uh, Martin Bashir was asking him you know how do you you know make that move and how do you think what you're going to do and Michael says you don't think you just dance and you listen to beats and, and he says, you know, you, you become the music and your your moves are the embodiment of the music. And that just, you know, that was interesting. Mm. I thought that's a creative thing to say. Yeah. Actually, it, it's, it's not like, a, you know, I mean, his stuff is carefully choreographed, but it's yeah, because it's from it's the a, music. That's right. It's a feeling, unlike Chris Brown, where it's all imitation. Yeah. Mm. I was actually wondering that, just watching some videos this week, like how much of it is just completely, you know, regimented and, and choreographed, like just when he's doing his own his own little solos dancing stuff, and how much of it is just him just, you know, going with the flow and using some, you know, moves that he has. From what I've seen, it's 100% choreographed. I mean, it's yeah. been created by him, but in yeah. the shows, it's this is the dance you do in this part in this song. Yeah, okay. So every, in other words, every show would would be pretty much the same. Identical. So. Yeah. So he grabs his crotch in certain places. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, it's in the rules. <laughs> the the interesting thing doing doing some reading um, specifically about you know Michael Jackson history and his albums. So a few things that I, I wasn't aware of, and I guess foolishly wasn't aware of because they're they're kind of logical conclusions. His other studio albums. So unlike Thriller, which was. And, and currently remains the world's best-selling album of all time. His other studio albums supposedly were also amongst some of the most highly selling and successful albums of all time, like Off the Wall, specifically even Bad and Dangerous. And and I, I kind of never, th- it never came to the forefront of my thinking. I never really think of those other albums as as massively successful. Supposedly, mm. they are. 
Um, I think a lot of that is just um, because he only released an album every three or four years. Like, what was it, 82 for Thriller, then 80... 87. Six, for, uh, 87. 91 for Dangerous. So, you know, people are, you know, Prince versus Michael Jan- Jackson fans are always talking about, oh, you know, Michael Jackson sold more albums. Well, Quality yeah, it's versus quantity. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Prince would release an album every year, so you can't expect, you know the same 30 million people to buy, to buy every single one of those albums that he puts exactly. out. Exactly, yeah. Whereas with Michael Jackson, you know, you're hanging on for like three or four years for the next album. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at, if you're looking at studio releases only, and, and um, Michael Jackson never released a, a live album of his solo work, but Off the Wall, Thriller, Bad, um, Dangerous, Dangerous, Dangerous and then his, History, which was, you know, the first disc was a, was History, uh, historical songs and the second disc was a almost like a compilation album really of, of recent material but uh, even if you put that one in that's one two three four five albums in a 16 year period mm. oh but then you got Invincible in 2001 okay that's so then just a- even more yeah so then a- add another six years that's and then there's supposed six, to be 22 that was going to come out this year mm. But that's 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 six albums, and, and again, years. they're only numbers. But that's six albums in twenty-two years mm. from the the king of pop. Uh, and you want to talk about pop music? Thirty years within Prince of of, of Prince's existence in the you know in pop music, you're looking at about thirty albums. Yeah, of material, and that's and that's only of you know what's released. Yeah, so very interesting comparison there. I think that all boils down to the fact that, you know, Prince is more the musician, whereas Michael's more the entertainer. Yeah. Um, you know, whether or not which is better or which is worse, then that's your that's people's opinion, I guess. But that's what yeah, it boils exactly. down to. And uh, and on the back of that, I think it obviously one's a musician, one's an entertainer. But one, and speaking about Michael Jackson now, is also and more. I think more of an enigma. Uh, and 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 based around the that larger than life concept and 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 the, the hysteria and the the, the media and all that more so than Prince, you know. So I think the pressure that he would be facing in in releasing an album would be much higher than Prince. You know, Prince is releasing albums. Um, it could be argued f- for the love of it, but it could also be argued that with some of his more recent releases, he's trying to come back into the commercial stratosphere. Um, but there's 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 just more room to move there it seems to me because his music is so so varied and I think on a <clears throat> it's not on the same scale you know Michael Jackson releases an album it's everywhere it's an event yeah it's an event you know uh, like you said only every few years that he would be releasing them so there's a huge huge difference between the two of them when it comes to the um, to the music and and I guess you know the, there's also the difference between Prince waking up on a on a on a weekday morning, going into the studio, laying down some bass tracks himself, or, or or coming up with a few riffs here or there, jamming with a band, and coming up with with um, you know musical compositions. Whereas I think Michael Jackson created so much, so many well-known riffs and bass lines and 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 kind of uh, vocal um, manifestations that. It, you know, potentially it, it could have been very difficult for him to come out with with new material, especially with um, you know being out of the game for so long. So, I heard somewhere I think with the Invincible album, he, they came up with something like eighty tracks. So like they they 
Yeah. I think in this period where he's supposedly doing nothing, they're putting together tracks and then he just picks like 10 of the best tracks out of those 80 or 100 or whatever to work with. And then wow. that's why sometimes, you know, he releases the album and they've got like, you know, five number one singles on it or whatever. And I think that's the way he works. They, they have a large pool of, of material to, to source it from. With Invincible, though, if, if that was, the, you know, the best tracks out of 80, I don't want to think what the others were like. Yeah. I mean, that, to me, that's his weakest album. Mm. From off the by, wall. By far. It's, I mean, I heard um, You Rock My World was on, and I'd totally forgotten that song. It's just so, so forgettable. It's not memorable, mm. like so much of his other stuff. So I, I don't want to know what the other 60 tracks were if they didn't make the cut. Mm. Yeah, 70, whatever. Because, yeah, that's just a forgettable album to me. I mean, I've got it, and I hardly ever listen to it. I wonder how much that's sold. I mean, I know that his his um, worldwide record sales are, are supposedly... 750 over... million. That, that's right, yeah. yeah. I think Something I read like 2 million Invincible had sold. So, uh, so 2 like, million... Now, worldwide, 10. Yeah, it, yeah, 10. it reached 10. Worldwide. Eventually, it reached 10. In other words, it sold 1%, just over 1% of his of his record sales. Yep. That album. Yep. That's that's crazy to me. It's insane, you know. Um, and, and comparing that, there's 750 million records worldwide, supposedly. Three quarters of a billion. Yeah, three quarters of a that's billion. Com- compared to Prince's, Prince's just over 100, I think. 100 million, yeah. So, 100 million split between 30 albums. And then you got seven hundred and forty million split between five. <laughs> that's, those numbers don't lie. I mean, that this this is a phenomenon, and I think that's why um, you know that yeah, he touched so many people in, within the uh, you know all around the world. It just massive reach. I mean, people people without CD players knew who Michael Jackson was. Yeah. You know? um, people you know that, that didn't even listen to him knew. Uh, more about him than about most musicians put together. Well, there's so many, you know, of the general public, um, you know, being Prince fans, uh, us us being Prince fans, that when you mention Prince, their only uh, knowledge of Prince is through Michael Jackson because they, oh, he was the guy that was rivaling Michael Jackson in the 80s. So that's why I think a lot of the comparisons come from because that's the only reference that people have is, is through Michael Jackson because he was just so famous and that he was the other kid that was trying to rival him back in the day yeah and again I mean the rivalry I want it, was it a rivalry or well, was it a media invented yeah. rivalry yeah, I'm sure it was media media hype completely because well, I think just, a lot of the Prince fans and the Michael Jackson fans are quite respectful to each other I mean you know I don't think there was a, a rivalry at really much at all no it's I think like, it's just it's not like warring football orders no, no. <laughs> when England. you get one guy coming out with the biggest album they're followed by you know, the first kind of music movie, like popular music movie of that kind, Purple Rain, the following year. Like, you know, there's not, it's not a specific rivalry between them, but that's the way everyone perceives it. Yeah. But just getting back to um, numbers with the Invincible album, um, I read somewhere that, I mean, like Prince, I mean, I spoke about this earlier about had the similarities between the two, both having James Brown as their idol and 
they were both at one point Jehovah's Witnesses. They both had fathers that influenced their behaviour and what they became. But they also had both had label disputes. And I know with um, Invincible, um, Michael had a dispute with Sony against that. And I heard that mm. during, during Invincible, Sony deliberately didn't want to promote it because they wanted he owned half I think of the rights of his catalogue and they knew that if they didn't promote it he'd be desperate to sell off that half of the catalogue mm. so they were deliberately trying to make him uh, that album not successful so that it'd be um, money hungry and to the point where he'd sell off that other half back to Sony and then they would capitalise off that so I mean even he had his problems with record companies just like Prince and, and you also bring up an interesting point about album sales. Um, I mean, if, if if Invincible, if the material of Invincible was was in the caliber of the, the material on Thriller or Bad, you know, if that album was that good but just wasn't promoted that well, it could literally have sold the same amount of copies that it that it actually did. So you know, what how how big of a part does promotion have to play, especially in in these days? Massive. Yeah can't understate that I mean even for someone like Michael Jackson I, I can't believe that it only sold 10 million worldwide when you think about the amount he's surely he's got more fans than that well so. you know I didn't want to go down this road but I mean with his personal life I think that played a major part of it a lot of people if you think about it a couple of years ago during his court case they mm. didn't want to touch the guy with a 10-foot pole no one wanted to be associated with him, but now that he's gone, everyone's coming out of Woodwork going how how great he is. So yeah, it's I mean he's selling out. Yeah, They're everywhere. <laughs> so yeah. I, I read somewhere about Amazon how they've sold more Michael Jackson in the last well, since the, on the day that he died than in their entire eleven years that they've operated oh, wow. as a business. Wow. So yeah. you know, well, it's people, it just brings people out and just gets them to buy records. I saw JB Hi-Fi here in Sydney, or probably not just in Sydney, but they've sold out of everything. They've sold out, yeah. You can't get yeah, them. The they've got, they've got, they've got no Michael Jackson left. It's all gone. And they said they're waiting for more stuff to be printed yep. to, to get it in the store because there's nothing left. Yep. Which wow. is crazy. It's insane. Getting back to the um, comparisons as well, you could also, you know, they're both born in the same year, 1958. Yeah. Yep. Um, and Madonna. Yeah, that's right. The Holy and Trinity, so they're called. <laughs> wow. <laughs> by some. <laughs> and then you've also got, you know, 93, where when Prince changed his name to a symbol, and the same years when, you know, Michael Jackson had some problems with his, you know, personal life. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's, it is interesting, the, the, the rise to success and then the fall from success at the same, you know, the same era as well. I, I read something also, I mean, this is all... It's obviously they're all just coincidences, but the the day of the unfortunate day of Michael Jackson's passing is the 25th anniversary of the release of Purple Rain. Yeah, so that's also a little bit of you know and some freaky 20, information. And the 25th of June was the day that Prince signed with Warner Brothers as well in 77. Oh, that's right, 70, 77. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're all just numbers and figures. Which but also is two days eerie. before I was born, which is, yeah, again, interest. Oh, I'm sure he knew about it. Sign. <laughs> yeah, all, all very, very interesting. And, um, they, and they both got married in 96, too. 
Yeah, they both had a kid around the, uh, within a year or two of each other. So. Yeah, there's oh, yeah, definitely there's some a lot, lot of similarities, and then a lot of differences. Yeah, yeah. Ma- massive amount of differences. That's why I, I, I'm myself. I never got the, you know, the Prince versus Michael Jackson. They're just to me, they're just too different. Don't even try. Yeah. I mean, I just never got. Why do you feel the need to compare those two people? I, I just don't get that. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, it's obvious. It, it has to be to do with the fact they were they they blew up at at around the same time. I suppose the point is there's no one else to compare either of them to. Mm. I mean, as different as they are, they're probably as close to each other than anyone else mm. at the time. Yeah, pretty much. You're forgetting Chris Brown. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, and who's who was the new prince? Was it, it was D'Angelo not that long ago? He was the new prince. Yeah, but I mean, let's think about it. I mean, who can Prince hand the baton down to? Oh, no one. Blanket? <laughs> no. No, I, I mean, like, I guess who can Michael Jackson hand down the, the baton yeah, to? No one. Well, no, no one. one ever hands- but, there's, but there's people there waiting for the baton. On on at least Michael Jackson's side, you got Timberlake, you got Neo, you got Chris Brown, you've got um, Usher. I mean, all of these cats are waiting there for, you know, to be the next Michael Jackson. Who's lining up to be the next Prince? Well, it's yeah, but you could argue, you know, who was the next Beatles? No one was the next Beatles. Mm. Who was the next Rolling Stones? Well, no one, really. Yeah. Uh, it's like that with all of the greats. Like, you're never going to be able to, you know, replicate that same sort of, that format of music as successfully again. Yeah. But, well, I mean, the way I saw it, I saw that James sort of handed down to, I don't know, Prince, maybe even yeah. Rick James. I mean, like you know, Rick James maybe passed it down to Prince. There was like someone there to take to take the place. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be too many contenders or you know people lined up for it. I think all this comes down to the just the music industry and the world now. It's changed so much. I oh, think yeah. I think the whole era of you know the superstar. It's it's over. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be anyone as big as the people that are leaving us now. Mm. I mean, they're, they're talking about Lady Gaga is going to be the new Madonna. Well, no, she's not. <laughs> there's not going to be another Madonna. There'll be similar people, but I think superstars are done. Yeah, I think it's yeah, over. Well, it's just it's so easy these days for people to record their own music, make their own music, and there's just so much music out there to listen to. It's just, it's too much. It's ridiculous to, to, to have a young kid that's just going to, you know, just dedicate his music listening to a certain one artist. There's just too much music out there being promoted for that to happen these days. I almost get the feeling that there's um, too much crap, crappy music. And by crappy music, I don't mean, oh, I'm not going to start slagging top 40 and all that kind of stuff. I'm just talking about the fact that there's just, it's just saturated. The environment is saturated with people... Seemingly thinking that that just because they they've got a you know a looping program and and a and a very basic understanding or not of of, of scales or, or how to you know play instruments and like I said or not in some cases people don't really even understand you know how to structure a song etc um, or compose creating songs you know and um you know hip hop's part partially. I put hip hop music and, and drum and bass and electronic music in there to a degree, but um, it's just 
it's all over the place. And I remember reading an interview with, with Bob Dylan a while ago where he said, um, he made a, a sarcastic remark about something about, they, they were talking about his his uh, song canon, you know, all the songs that he's, and he basically said, you know, and this was in the 80s, he said, um, we, we don't need any more new music <laughs> or something along those lines. He basically said that there's no reason for anyone to compose a single more note of no, music. Everything's been done. That's it. Everything's be, it's all going to be a variation on a theme. Rehash. And, and you know, I think it's really, it, it's quite poignant from my point of view that what, what he said because I tend to agree with that. I don't know what your thoughts are. Well, you look at um, classical music and, you know, every 50 years the music would become more and more experimental, more and more expensive, you know, and to the point where, you know, halfway through the 20th century, it just became like, you know, sound collage kind of thing. Mm. And if the same thing happened with jazz, same thing happened, it became more and more experimental every every generation, more and more expensive, to the point where it became just noise almost. Mm. And hip hop headed that route yeah, as well. And I think that's what's happening with modern popular music is there's just so much out there. There's only, you know, you can make it more experimental, but it's only going to, you know, it's going to have to start again from scratch somewhere. And there's going to have to be some kind of new template for what we consider music to be. Yep, and we'll be there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, no, no, I don't know. I don't know. No, no. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting, interesting discussion. But, I mean, you, you know, with with people like Prince and Michael Jackson and Madonna and all, and all these, you know, high-profile pop artists leading the way, what you had there was not only music, but you had characters and personas. Yeah, and, yeah no and, one's and, got any, there's no personalities now. I mean, it's even like that with sport. Sorry to bring up a complete, you know, a no, non-music-related, yeah, yeah. but but it, it's even. I'm a huge follower of football, or, or in, uh, I guess in Australia we call it soccer. But you even you look in the, around now, and if you're a fan of football, uh, a serious fan of the game, this, the, the characters, the personalities, they just don't exist. Hmm. You know, look there's at, um, a few of them. They're far, far in between. Look at tennis. You got Roger Federer, like an amazing player, hmm. but he's not. A, he's not really a character. No. Same with Tiger Woods. John McEnroe was a character. Yeah. <laughs> he was excellent. <laughs> then we got the basketball, Kobe Bryant, the same thing. He's an amazing mm. player, but he's not a character. Yeah, I saw him on, I think it was Conan. Like Kobe. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, I saw that, yeah. It wasn't a great interview, I thought. Mm. He's just, just a, well, there wasn't a lot of personality there. That's right. That's right. He's, he's the Tiger Woods and uh, Roger Federer of his sport. He, he's just clinical all the way. That's what he is. Mm-hmm. They're just good at what they do, but not a very. They're not media trained or anything. So you put them in an interview situation, they just freeze up. Mm. But he didn't seem nervous. He seemed he was talking fine, but it just but seemed it's boring. Like yeah, yeah, it's boring. Where was his funny story? Come on, it's a, it's a talk show. <laughs> I think all these the sports players that you know to be a, an elite athlete at that level, you have to be. That's all you ever do. That's what you do from the moment you're like a kid. Mm. You're just playing basketball. You're playing football. Whatever it is. And to the point where they haven't had the life experience to become a character in some way, which is, you know, what would have happened in the 70s or the 80s where you had all these fantastic characters. Yeah. But that sounds like you're talking about Michael Jackson. Yeah. He hasn't had this, the, you know, normal life experience. Yeah, I guess so. His life has been anything but normal. Hmm. And that's all he's ever known. Yeah. Hmm. Fair enough. Boy, my comments out the water. <laughs> but it was good. 
yes. I've got, I got, I got three more um, Prince uh, Michael Jackson references. Okay. In the um, just the three that come off the top of my head are the um, during the Love Sexy tour there was an '80s medley where he used to throw in uh, the way you make me feel into that. Okay. Yes. Yes. Um, the second one was. Uh, when he came to Australia during the 03 tour he played Billie Jean during the, the Brisbane soundtrack oh that's right yeah and um, the third is um, probably the most recent one is um, during the Tamar concerts they used to play Don't Stop Till You Get Enough so it, there's been a few few MJ references through Prince ages I wonder what made him play Billie Jean at that Brisbane soundtrack could have been an audience member maybe well, one of the one of the I have audience. a feeling, yeah, I have a one feeling the there was a, up. yeah, there was a Michael Jackson impersonator, I think. Yeah, that, that's right. I think he lived in Perth and he flew over to the Brisbane concert. I think remember uh, reading it online. And, and he and got up and, and, and yeah, the the um, the guy, the fan, yeah. the fan, yeah, got up on during the sound check and he sang and the the band played the music. I'll tell you, one, one, other, one other thing um, that, that definitely came to mind in the, in the last day or so, to, from my point of view, I was, I was, I've been following this Montreux rumour crazily, <laughs> just trying to figure out what's happening. Um, I'm not going to go, if anyone's wondering, but... You wanted um, to go. Yeah, I, I was really keen on it, and I started selling, you know, CDs and DVDs that I've owned that I no longer listen to. I was trying to, you know, raise up as much money as I could to try and make it make it that reality a dream because I think um, just moving away from Michael for a second the, 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 the next kind of the next Prince gig I wanted to experience I, I would have preferred to it to have been something like Montre or at a festival or something really um, you know something different from, from the norm and um, I, I guess where I'm going with this is you know hearing of, of Michael's passing etc what it what it did do and there was a there was a, a few posts about this on on prince.org um, I mean on the one hand they're superficial but it does kind of pop up into your mind to, to appreciate um, the music and you know the, the the performers and the musicians and artists that are that are around you know while they are around um, yeah and and really put an emphasis on that it, it definitely kind of it, it hit me at a place to you know, you know no one's it, we're, we're all immortal you know we're all mortal I was about to say immortal speak but, for yourself you were, and, and it's <laughs> it's, a, it's a fact of life but um, it just kind of hit me it's, I think well you know going back to to Prince we, we're massive fans of, of, uh, of his music of his art um, yeah that's not going to be around forever so if you get a chance to catch a gig or um, you know, whether it be Prince or anyone else, you know, it's just um, yeah, something, to, something to keep in mind. You see people on Prince.org and other websites, you know, they get to the point, you know, I've had enough of Prince, he's pissed me off one too many times. I don't think I'd even go to a gig if he came to my town, <laughs> which is stupid because you should. <laughs> you should well, the, one that, the, the one that gets me is when they say they're going to burn all the records. Because they've already paid for it, he's made his money. What's what's <laughs> yeah. he going to prove? Yeah, it yeah, just means that money. Yeah, it just means that in six months' time, when you've gotten over your anger and you really want to hear that CD again, you're going to have to go out and buy it again. <laughs> I mean, it achieves nothing. Yeah, Prince is out there. Burn your CDs. Burn your CDs. <laughs> Send all your bootlegs to him. <laughs> I've still got the address. <laughs> what was it? What was it again? Um, 
He said, no, something to the pharaoh or something? Or? Yeah, something. He had to address it to the pharaoh or something like that. <laughs> Anything with a Warner Brothers logo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll say something about Michael Jackson and Prince is they've both been dancing for a long time. Quite different dances. Yeah, very different dances. Yeah. One supposedly self-taught, the other's self-taught to a degree, but I think... Yeah, but people who've been dancing for that long, I mean, you get to 50, your body's screwed, basically. Mm. How good could you dance? That's why I was... Prince hasn't danced for, like, 10 years, really. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you'd ever call anything Prince has done... I mean, it's. I guess it's dancing... Well, it is. It's obviously that, dancing, but it's it's very improvised. Very improvised. Mm. Yeah, by the music, really. But the last real dancing he did was like probably Diamonds and Pearls tour. Do the Oak with, Tree with the old choreographed with the Game Boys and all that stuff. That was. But since then, it's been. I mean, now he does nothing. I'm happy about that. That's a good thing. To I don't. Me. I, I, I don't was... mind. But I'm just saying, after dancing for your whole life, mm. it's it's not easy on your body it's hard well that's what was so weird about these concerts in London that Michael Jackson was going to do like when Prince did his 21 nights you know half of Prince's show is just him playing the guitar singing along mm. whereas a Michael Jackson show that's what a Michael Jackson show is you get, you know him dancing just going crazy on stage so you know for him to do 50 of them which is you know more than double of what Prince did it was there was always it was never going to happen from my point of view I agree with that even if it would have just been from exhaustion. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I remember, um, I don't know if you guys saw it, it was the MTV Awards, I think in 2000 or 2001, and the opening act was Sync. They'd done the song Pop, and at the end, Michael Jackson came out. It was like he was the surprise mm. um, guest appearance, and he came out, and he was doing, you know, some of the moves and... You know, all the robot and all that. And he's it, it, total on stage. He would have been on there for 45 seconds to a minute. It was a very, very short appearance. And at the end of it, he looked like he was out of breath and he was just a little bit, he's just a little bit off. I mean, he still had it, but he just looked exhausted after a minute. Mm. So to think yeah. that, and that was like nearly 10 years ago. So to think that he was going to do it 10 years later, with 50 shows it's I would have liked to have seen what what it would have involved well I read only like probably not even two weeks ago that he said he was disappointed disappointed that that uh, the O2 that they'd booked 50 shows because originally I think it was 5 or 7 and he said the most he wanted to do was probably 10 and he was just unhappy that they'd booked you know, so many shows because that's not what he expected. Yeah, there's a difference, but there's a huge difference between ten and fifty. Jesus. Yeah. Then whose fault is that, really? Like, well, we, we don't know, can't mm-hmm. speculate. But you know, to have it announced that there's fifty shows, then to come out and say, "Oh no, I didn't want that many." Because, yeah. but it wasn't fifty. I mean, they they'd sell some, and then they'd sell out, and then they'd sell more, and it just kept going up. Well, supposedly, um, on a related note, the twins actually. Yeah, auditioned. Um, auditioned for that, yeah. Yeah. To, to become his dancers. So. That's that's another interesting point. They're moving from one pop icon to the next. Hmm. Hmm. What are they going to do now? Uh, they, they'll make their way. 
they, 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 I think they're, they're going to release their acoustic album. Which icon's next? Yeah. Um, they can go back know, to Idol and try again. Maybe. <laughs> you know what I reckon Michael would have done during those O2 concerts? Uh, he, he did it in previous tours. You know how it, um, it looks like he's getting into a box and it's actually a jetpack and he flew over the crowd. Yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. I, I, that wasn't actually him. It was somebody else. Oh, okay. Because, you know, there's a, like a box and he like stepped in the box, but it's actually someone inside the box. So they've done like a switcheroo. I think they would have done something similar with the O2 concerts. I, w- I think he would have put on some sort of helmet or mask to disguise himself and then brought someone else out to do some more of the complex moves or something. In this day and age, I would imagine that would have been an, just an enormous spectacle. It would have been absolutely huge. Well, I heard something they were going to bring in an elephant or something. <laughs> like, you know how he likes all the animals and stuff. That, like, he was going to come in on an elephant, riding on the back of an elephant or something. Jeez. So, yeah, it, it was going to be like a big event. I, I would like to know if they were in rehearsal, if someone had filmed the rehearsals. Hmm. And if, well, yeah, if that will ever come out. Yeah, that would be very interesting. I just read... T- that would be very eerie, though. I don't even know if I'd want to... Mm. I mean, it, it's kind of a curiosity, but that would be very, very strange. I just read yesterday that um, the, the, the night or the day before he died... He did a full rehearsal, like, over two hours, like, the whole... I mean, they were ready to go. They were going to London, like, in a week. That's crazy. Because they were supposed to start on the 7th or whatever it was. Wow. On the 7th of July, really? Well, 7th or something. They said they were going over there to do the final rehearsals, but they, um, whoever was there, you know, I mean, the whole stage show was ready to go. So there's a lot of people who were in that. And they said the night before he died, he did a full show, and he was fine. Two-hour show, full rehearsal. See, this is the thing. I wonder what the set list would be like. But then again, I'm kind of answering my own question. It's pretty obvious what the set list would have to be. You know, you just have the most well-known tracks packed into into two hours. There's not a lot of variation there that you can... Yeah. It's not as if you can drop in... You know, a, a few, a few I don't think we'll play Billie Jean this tour. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you might throw in one or two new tracks because this new album is supposed to be out the start of September. Mm. They'll push that back now. You think? I don't think so. I think it's ready to go. I'd, I reckon they'd be releasing it even sooner. Probably. They'd, they'd want to. Yeah. To capitalise, but they might keep the original date because it was supposed to. It's supposed to be out the same. Day is Whitney's Whitney Houston's new album, mm. but so who knows if it's gonna be on time? Yeah, that'd be interesting. Because I'm guessing it'd be done. His part yeah, would be. It done. is done. I've I've read somewhere that it's done. Yeah, and it's it's mixed. It's already mixed. Seven as well. But I, I, that could be a rumor. It could be. It most likely is. <laughs> but it could be. <laughs> yeah. They'll probably retitle it. Mm. But it's supposed to, all the promotion and marketing, it's all supposed to be linked in with this seven theme. And yeah, Well, that's just, till, we, till it comes out, we won't know. I just hope that, I mean, obviously it's going to be massive because in light of the events that's happened in the last few days. But, you know, I think, who's on it? Is it Akon? It's, I think it's everyone. This is the thing. It's going to be too many guest appearances, and it's going to be watered down, and it'll be like Invincible Part 2, I reckon. But it'll, it'll sell because of who he is and what's happened. 
I think he would have sold in any case, but ah, yeah. Um, but you know, obviously, no, nah, it'll it'll sell. It'll be it'll a big big seller. Well, this is the thing. Someone predicted. Um, a few people have been predicting that that this album potentially could outsell Thriller if anything was going to do it. And I think that's I think that's a half joke. But you know, in the back of my mind, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, isn't the biggest selling single "Candle of the Winter" after Diana died? Mm. So. Mm. If you're looking at that, it's a chance, I guess. Yeah. I think that it all that all depends on how good the album is. Uh, yeah, I think it regardless is, of if, if it is a, a good album, a great album, I think it could. If it's yeah, Invincible Part Two, probably not. See, that's right. the thing. If it if it's Michael Jackson doing his thing and then getting a few people to guest on it, that might work. If it's the guests coming in and telling Michael what they want you know like Will I Am saying oh this is the song I've come up with her. this is what you know this is the part I imagined you do and then I think it's just going to be a shambles because you know it'll be all over the place but I guess we'll see alright let me ask you this did you guys hear the the Thriller 25 album that came out last year yeah I, I did I deliberately didn't because I heard it was just rubbish and yeah well what did you guys think of that uh, nothing it was it yeah. was terrible yeah it was very bad yeah, I mean, it had Fergie. It had. Did it have Kanye on it or something? I yeah, think so. it was a mockery. Yeah, it was, yeah just... it was. It was really bad. But that's that. That album is it's a little bit how I envision this next album to sound mm. like. Yeah, mm. I think it could be. I mean, they yeah. just took those tracks and they just murdered them. Yeah, it's yeah. got Will I Am, Akon, Fergie, Kanye West. Mm. God, what a superstar lineup! <laughs> well, I know Akon was in, on this new album. And I heard that Neo yeah. was writing for um, the album as well. Already, I, that's that's a bad sign. Yeah, it's a terrible sign. Mm. So, well, can only just wait and see. See how we go. Mm. I hope they throw out the Lenny Kravitz track. Mm. <laughs> so you know, if that's or if that's happened the way Lenny says, you know, I'd rather see that than you know, Akon. I, here's, here's the thing though not trying, trying to dampen the spirits but I always found that not so much when I was a, a fan of Michael Jackson's growing up as a kid but more so listening to his music after I had gone through you know the jazz phase the blues phase the experimental phase etc the electronic phase and then and then kind of rediscovering some of his some of his music I found that the, the difference between the thriller era Michael Jackson um, and even the, the bad era Michael Jackson and, and everything that came afterwards it was very difficult to listen to anything he put out just because his personal life and and you know the hype and controversy surrounding everything overshadowed it but more so for me it made it difficult to take him seriously for example if you listen to, um, to Invincible a lot of the tracks on there you listen to the lyrics and the sentiment and the actual songs themselves They've, a lot of them are very like R&B-ish but, but kind of male dominated with a swagger and you think to yourself this is Michael Jackson singing this type of stuff it just doesn't it didn't suit him mm. you know? yeah and I it, agree with that I think um, Michael Jackson was never sexy but mm. he tried to portray himself that way and it just it never worked so you know after like even from bad elements of bad it, I don't know didn't quite work as well because he tried to portray himself as like 
almost like a prince kind of figure where he's the sexy, mysterious person. But he never was. Like, he yeah. was mysterious, but he was never sexy. And especially when he uh, attempted to portray a, a kind of a very manly look or a, you know, a kind of, you know, powerful mm. kind of appearance, and especially with, with the, some of the music, it just, I agree, it didn't, it just didn't come off, it didn't seem genuine. It seemed like he was following following the trend and I think with every album after Dangerous that's exactly including Dangerous that's what happened um, and yet you know there was some there was some fairly good material on those albums there's a track on um, Invincible and there's a video with Chris Rock in it no it's um, Chris, Tucker. Chris Tucker yeah and that's that's what you're talking about just mm. the way he's walking around it's just not him mm. oh, yeah how he's chasing yeah. that girl yeah I watched it yeah. yesterday, and I'm just like... It's, not, it's not believable, yeah. It's not believable at all. And what makes it less believable is... Um, I won't go into any detail at all, but it's it's very difficult listening to a song by by Michael Jackson, and I'm referring to most of his recent work. It was very difficult listening to it, and then but at the same time watching either documentaries about him or that you know, world-famous exclusive movie that he shot five or six years ago, sitting in his studio, um, either talking about playing with, um, uh, hanging around kids, and then I'm thinking to myself, well, with that image in my mind, I'm listening to a song about how he's trying to woo, you know, a, a, a chick. It's It just doesn't go. It doesn't... You can make the same criticism with... Like, people are always criticising Prince for you know, trying to do hip-hop and... Yeah. Especially, like, the Symbol album. It's, it's the same thing. He's trying to do what's, what's popular at the time and what's, you know, what's popular at the time is doing songs about wooing women kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, they should just... Uh, it's easy to say, oh, they should just do what they... <laughs> what they need to do kind of thing. But... Yeah. So, again, it's, it's kind of similar criticisms. But you know what else it was as well during that era? And it, again, it's this Martin Brashear interview that came up. And during that, he said, I think Martin Brashear, you know, confronted him about, like, the um, plastic surgery. And he, he said, oh, I've only had one or two procedures. And it's like, you've had, like, you know, 20, you know. Yeah. And, and like, it just, you know, there was distinct places and questions that he asked where he was just flat out lying. And, you know, I just... Uh, that along with the the lyrics and the images, you know, it didn't marry up, and that's it just doesn't match up. Yeah, yeah. like it it never angered. It's, some people get frustrated and angered, and some people get violent and abusive when they see that kind of stuff. And specifically with Michael, you know, it's such a shame that he had to suffer the kind of kind of childhood, child, you know, the kind of childhood bullying that people get experienced throughout throughout their lives. He experienced it, experienced it, you know, all the way through. Unfortunately, especially. Um, through the media, etc. But just from from a personal point of view, it makes me more sad than anything hearing that. Yeah, like definitely. you know that that interview that you talk about. It's it's so obvious. It's not even that he's like I wouldn't even call it lying. I would just to me, I saw someone basically uh, you know unhinged at the seams, not not in control, and not really knowing how to handle. The situation and the situations they found themselves in. Yeah. So, in, you know, going back to, to his initial albums as a solo artist, Off the Wall, Thriller, and even Bad, listening to those records even now, it's just like two different people. 
Mm. You know, I mean, you listen to a song like um, Smooth Criminal. I was listening to that the other day and they were playing it on the radio. And, um, like, I was bobbing my head. I was listening to the end. Some of the kind of electronic drumming in there is pretty cool, especially with, like, the bass lines and stuff. And it's just... It had a bite and it had an energy and it had a genuineness and I could I could imagine Michael Jackson, you know, coming up with things and impromptu in the studio and adding them in and a bit of a scat here and a scat there. It, it just all had he was in the zone, and you know as that falls as that fell away, obviously it's just it was just unfortunate. But I mean, to compare him to 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 most to most other entertainers, I mean, to entertainers in general, you just can't. Well, yep. You know, in in general, then to sum up, the the loss of someone like that, who you know, uh, inevitably will will never come around again. You you only like Quincy or Barry Gordy or whoever they said it's not once in a lifetime. This this kind of guy, um, this mere mortal, I guess, comes around once, and it's unfortunate that uh, you know he he went away before his time. Just um, one more thing that you're talking about with the um trying to make himself look more manly mm. I, I remember when Bad first came out the original cover he was he's going to be dressed in lace and I think the record company um, said to him you know it's you're going to look too feminine so they changed it to him wearing the, the leather jacket with all the buckles that cover really yeah it, that's almost like the start the beginning of that image yeah, That it just doesn't look good mm. even the Bad video I mean I wouldn't be scared of him in the in, in well, the I darkness, just, I, I distinctly remember. Um, you know, we, there was the thriller period, and he'd done the victory tour with the Jacksons, and then he it, it just went all quiet for about a year or so. And then when Bad came out, it, you know, he wasn't totally white, but he was hell of a lot lighter. He was a few shades lighter, mm. and I, I just remember I said, "Wow, is this Michael Jackson?" Like I couldn't believe that this was the same guy that we saw a couple of years ago he just looked totally different i think there was, there was definitely a distinct distinct difference in everything yeah in everything and um i i, I recently read that um supposedly he had at that stage 84 85 so this was even before the recording sessions of bad um had had some health issues um and, and numerous ones and had supposedly started using certain prescription medication even you know um, in his very very early years and in, in fact people close to him have throughout his career I remember reading a biography on him when I was younger and and I remember reading plenty of comments in in I can't remember what the book was titled but plenty of comments about people close to him that said that he, his personality his, his actual you know the personality that that he that he, um, that he portrayed actually changed manifested into something almost completely different to um to the way he really was so it's an interesting point because everything that came after that is just very different what when he started making money yeah i guess after yeah 84 85 period and that that quiet period that you talk about you know i wonder i wonder what you know what he was what he was up to what yeah. was happening like the way I see it just as an outsider was you know Thriller came along he made his money and then after that he could do whatever he liked and I think after that he wanted to experience the childhood that he never got Mm. and then it it just rolled from there 
and he, like everyone says that, uh, how much of a big kid he was so you know I think after that he, he played a major part he you know made the zoo and created the house to be like a theme park and he was just having fun with it and then that just sort of carried over and that, and that all seemed gen that, that all seemed very very genuine not 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 a because you, you couldn't keep that up for years you know that's obviously a deep need or whatever the case uh, and you know and all the while um, the music especially his his early music um, with regards to his early releases remains timeless I mean you walk into a club now Billy Jean comes on the place goes crazy yeah um, it doesn't sound dated either and no yeah that's right yeah. And, and it'll be like I think that it'll be like that forever um, you know people will look back. A hundred, hundreds of years from now, hopefully, um, and and you know, in, in in looking at 20th century pop, there was no one bigger. I mean, who was bigger than Michael Jackson between mid 70s and uh, even until today? It's just. Um, I was having this discussion earlier tonight with someone about we're talking about who is who's more famous, Elvis, Elvis or, My, or Michael Jackson, and I think Michael Jackson hands down because. Oh. Yeah. You know, when Elvis was as big as Elvis was, there just wasn't the um, the mass communication that there was in his time. Whereas just 20 years later, yeah. the world had just completely opened up. And, you know, it would be it'll be amazing to me if there'd be anyone in any sort of civilised town in the in the world that wouldn't know who Michael Jackson is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And, you know, it's interesting the point you make because um, in Elvis's time, you're right that the, the the mechanisms and the systems weren't in place to, to necessarily build someone up to the point that Michael Jackson was built up to. But I think we've gone the other way now. It was almost as if, you know, back in the 60s and 70s, it, um, the, the world was a much smaller place. And then 70s, 80s, 90s, you know, space and time was just completely broken down and you had, you know, mass communication, mass media. And now it's so saturated yeah. that you can't, you know, yeah. if if Michael Jackson was around during this era, I, I highly doubt that he would he he would have gained the, the level of um, notoriety, etc. Because it's just it's too everything's too much, and people have a limited you know um, limited bandwidth, <laughs> limited uh, you know attention span. Yeah. Just, well, that's right. Like music back back in the eighties was you know was escapism. These days, anyone who wants escapism just goes to goes to YouTube, types in whatever they want, and they're going to find something that they're going to enjoy. Mm. Types in escapism, and, yeah, <laughs> and that's it. Well, actually, you guys make a good point because um, when the news broke that um, supposedly that he died, because there was you know rumours, you know, mm. he's gone into cardiac arrest, is he dead or not dead? As soon as I heard that, the the hair on the back of my neck stood up but the other thing that happened was I remember when I was a kid and I was in the car with my dad and the radio was on and there was a news bulletin and it was about Michael Jackson when his hair caught on fire um, when he filmed the Pepsi ad and I remember at that time because um, you know the information was pretty scarce um, it's not like today and a lot of people thought back then that because the information was very um come in dribs and drabs you know a lot of people thought that he was he was dead at that time because all they knew that was you know it was an explosion and he was a part of it and they didn't know what his health was and it's just very interesting at that time that you know he was considered sort of dead back then because the information was so 
um, scarce and everyone was worried about him and, and all that and now you know within minutes of him arriving at that hospital everyone knows about it worldwide yep. yeah just, just getting a bit totally off topic but um, I remember been, there was a rumour that Vanilla Ice died when? this is like probably early mid 90s just a couple of years after he, he was famous and uh, there was yeah. a rumour that he died and literally like everyone I knew thought it was true and then everyone just sort of forgot about it, and then a couple of years later, he turned up in something. He's like, "Oh, so he didn't die after all." <laughs> but like again, today what on the ha- internet, you just you know Google Vanilla Ice. Oh, there he is. That's what he's doing out there. Yeah. Well, what happened with Vanilla Ice is after all that um, stuff that went down with him, and no one wanted anything to do with him. He, I think he'd done like some Rastafarian album. Yeah, he, <laughs> he did. He, yeah, he grew his hair out and he dreaded it, and then. I th- and I think there is all- a reggae version of Ice Ice Baby. Beware. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he was that whole album is about him doing drugs and all that. And I think there was I've seen an interview of him, and he he done some lethal cocktail where he's on his deathbed. So that it may be referring to that, but he survived through it, and we still have him today. <laughs> he was actually in Australia only like about a month or two ago. Oh, damn, I missed it. Going around the clubs and singing his song. <laughs> well, um, going back, going back once again to the to the to the Michael Jackson and Prince <clears throat> discussion, and and maybe uh, maybe maybe not finishing up on on this point. There's actually a um, a new article. I don't know if you guys have seen on uh, Doctor Funk, uh, entitled something like Prince and Michael Jackson were friends? Question mark. Um, in any, in any case, there's actually a some interesting. There's, there's a few interesting tidbits there, just as a comparison between the two of them, and, and you know whether they were maybe cl- closer friends than what people thought. Um, Michael Bland supposedly insisted that they got along fine, and I quote: "They'd shoot hoops at Paisley Park, Prince's studio home in Shanhassen." I find that very interesting. They'd shoot hoops at Paisley Park. Uh, and then he also says, We used to get packages from MJJ Productions with footage of Sly Stone performing in Europe. Prince would pop it in the VCR and we'd watch it. Hmm. So that, that's, uh, that's kind of that's interesting as well. I don't, I don't know where the Sly Stone part, how that kind of all came about, but um, the, the shooting hoops, that's intriguing. Interesting. Hmm. Well, of course, Michael doesn't have to shoot. He just kicks it with his feet. Computer <laughs> <laughs> generated. Yeah. But that, but that obviously, um, you know, that sounds like there were more meetings other than the the bad incident, etc. Um, if if Michael Bland's saying they'd, they'd shoot hoops at Paisley Park, it's an it's an interesting uh, interesting bit of information. Yeah. Um, and then and then Bobby Z mentions that uh, he remembers. Um, the, when Prince and the Revolution were watching the 84 Grammys with Prince as Michael Jackson basically swept the Grammys completely and won all the awards um, and they were, they were supposedly watching rough cuts of the movie Purple Rain at the time and they knew that that's where Prince wanted to be the next year so you know, he wanted to be up on that stage and that, that's exactly what happened yeah, you, can, you could actually say that the showmanship of Michael Jackson is what drove Prince to you know, become, to excel. Yeah, to become more successful. I like the so idea of could... Michael sending bootlegs to Prince. Nice <laughs> 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 time. That's great. That's it's very intriguing. That's yeah. Uh, do as he said, not as he does. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, if Michael was sending him bootlegs, and then he wanted us to send him bootlegs as well. It's perfectly understandable. Makes perfect sense. <laughs> you can, uh, it's you better can to receive than give. <laughs> Are you a leader or a follower? <laughs> <laughs> and the other thing is, I'm looking at this photo on this site. I, I got it open. Prince looks white. <laughs> he looks very light. <laughs> He's been taken on the makeup for a long time. Um, yeah, it's just strange. I mean, I, I don't know if you guys have ever thought, a completely random um, thought that I've Have you guys ever thought about that? Um, I mean, you compare some of the really early pictures of Prince to oh. some of the ones now? Yeah, he's oh, brown it's... earlier. Is it just lighting? It is completely. Uh, it's because... No, I don't think Actually, so. I've, I mean, I've seen him live and he looked... I remember him looking distinctly lighter than what I imagined. No, if you look back and like... Okay, look at the For You cover and those kind of things. Those really early pictures. They're trying to make him look darker so he can appeal to the black market because that's what they thought he was going to be selling to at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, from, you look at the Dirty Mind cover, he's as white as a ghost. So, well, for a, a dark-skinned person, anyway. <laughs> so I've never bought into any of that, you know, Prince is making his skin lighter. That's rubbish. Oh, no, no, I wasn't, I wasn't inferring that, but I was kind of thinking, well, what's... Is, is it what's going on? Like, is he is he maybe putting a little bit too much foundation? Yeah, little, I don't know how that would be. A, a big Wouldn't know part. much about makeup. <laughs> um, but skin yeah. does change colour. Yeah, gradually. Gradually, you know, it's been. We're, we're comparing a picture from you know. And when you when, when you sit in the when the, when you sit in the studio for three hundred and fifty days a year, you're not exactly getting too much tan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right, well, finishing up, the Jackson family have uh, issued an official statement um, sent out to the media. It's two and a half paragraphs long, basically talking about how it's one of the darkest moments of their lives and, um, you know, they're basically... Uh, speechless. About, yeah, they're basically speechless. That they found that there's something along the lines of communication with the outside world seems almost impossible during this time and etc. So, yeah, definitely a, a somber, a somber couple of days for for them, and 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 will continue to be. But I think um, it's interesting the loss. way it's signed off, though. It says Joseph Jackson and family. Mm. It's not like a collective, or it's it's him and then the family separate. It's very interesting how it's signed off. Mm. Because at, when Jermaine came out and announced that he was officially not here anymore. A guy came out after him and said, Jermaine is the only official spokesman for the Jackson family. Don't listen to anyone else. <laughs> and then this is signed by Joseph. So, who knows? I mean, it's quite publicly known that the family is on and off all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, who knows at what level it's at at the moment. Yeah. And it'll probably change in the next few days and weeks to come. I was just thinking yesterday... I don't know, I've saw it on the internet today. This funeral's going to be huge. Hmm. I mean, I was... Well, it, it, I was thinking, it, it, I was, it might be. They might intentionally keep it small. You never know. They could do. But I was thinking about James Brown, because Michael Jackson went to see James Brown when he was, you know, it was an open casket thing. He could walk past. I was thinking, are they going to do that? But then you've got his religion, which might forbid this or that, so who knows what's going to happen. I hope it's not a spectacle, and I reckon it will be. Mm. 
yeah. They they might open something up to um to fans. Or at least part of it up to fans. Oh, even if it's um even if it's um a close funeral there's no people everywhere hitting people. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be impossible. Anyway. <laughs> Alright, I'm I'm pretty much right up here. Well let's just say that we've just lost one of the greats. 